All right, we're back to podcast, and uh, hope everyone's had a good week, and we uh, thank the Lord for how good he's been to us, and I appreciate all his blessings. Don't forget, 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, uh, this is temporary, uh, The we've folks moved in beside of us, and uh it's not like they're running us off or they haven't asked us to change times. It's just a uh, just a practical thing. It's very practical, very common sense uh, in regards to the fact that uh, it's, it's pretty loud and I don't want it to be a distraction. Uh, I was able to preach fine on Sunday, but I don't think folks were able to hear fine or or concentrate uh, the best that they could, and so it's just it's just practical, it's just reasonable, and it's just common sense uh, to to move our times for for the time being anyway. Uh, we'll be at a nine thirty start, and we typically are in church somewhere around an hour and a half. And should we have our own building? That's when we would be having Sunday school anyway. In fact, we'd be starting Sunday school around 9. So, um, just common sense measures. And so, don't forget that. Now, having said that, going into um, Sunday, and then, of course, Easter being the following week, um, we're starting a, a series, and I, I'll be back and forth uh, with our messages on, on Jesus and and the things that he dealt with, of course, will be in the Psalms, dealing with the Lord on Sunday morning of Easter. Um, but this Sunday, we'll begin in the Psalms as well. Now, I guess it was last week. Um, the Lord really began to work in my heart over the subject matter of prayer. And just, just really really burdened me about it and what it is and I think because you know in, in the day that we live <clears throat> the church and, and people of the church tend, tend to be a little bit anemic in their prayer lives tend to be a little lacking and in fact if I were to venture to say the one area that the modern church lacks perhaps more than any other and there's a whole lot wrong we could go on about you know from the King James Bible to uh, so many issues that we, you know folks have adopted new versions that have watered down the scriptures and so forth we, we could go on and on about the problems and the atrocities of the the modern church um but perhaps there's nothing more significant than anemia in prayer lives, anemic prayer lives among the people of God. Um, it's it's a t- it's tough. It's a tough situation. And I have. It's the most challenging. We we've got Bible study. We've got. Um. Plenty of study materials, plenty of books, plenty of authors. But folks don't pray like they used to. I remember 
services would be dedicated to prayer. You'd have prayer rooms, prayer buildings, prayer shacks, you name it, prayer mountains, prayer retreats. Um, I used to go to a prayer retreat every year in the mountains and um, just spend all night long in prayer with a bunch of men. And um, this this men that love God. And I, I found that folks just don't pray like they used to. Well, I'm I'm under a burden about that. I'm under a burden about that. And I want to go, first of all, to Daniel, the book of Daniel. And I want to give you an outline. It's ten points. We may not get them all. We've got several places we're going to look at to this evening, and I'm going to give you the points, and then as we come from Daniel, then I'll give you the verses, but I want to go to the book of Daniel and get our start, Daniel 6, and I started with this on uh, last the last time we met for Bible study last week, and then we are also going to look possibly in Daniel chapter 10, absolutely Daniel uh, 6, though. Let's start here in Daniel. Yeah, we'll go to Daniel 6, then <clears throat> Daniel 10. It pleased Darius, Daniel 6, verse number 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. We're going to find out why there was an excellent spirit with Daniel very soon. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, governors, the princes, counselors, captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute, make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for Thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So to, to notice how they termed it. It's always funny, the the phrasing of government agencies. Kind of like um, during the COVID lockdowns, you know, the phrasing of things like mandates. Mandates are not laws. And, um, you know, emergency powers, things like that. Well, in this situation, they have um, they they have t- phrased this and not used the word prayer. They said to ask a decree, a decree of any god or man. Well, they know that that's going to take care of Daniel, just like when the quote-unquote lockdowns came. And so instead of saying we're going to shut down the church or close the churches, they said you can't have an assembly of 10 or less or 10 or more. 
okay? Or then they tried to make it of anybody of your household, just silly things. But notice that's always been the way they've done it. Instead of just coming out blatantly against God, they phrase it in a way that it does not appear to be against God. That's what's going on in Daniel chapter number 6. Notice the phrasing of this. Verse number 7, Whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So they don't say, don't pray. They said, if you ask anything of any god or man, then you're going to suffer punishment and be thrown into the den of lions. Now, verse 8, O king established the decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth it not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, here's what I want to get to. This is the story. This is the account of Daniel in the lion's den. And notice that there is a threat that if anyone prays, anyone goes to God, anyone asks a petition of God or man, but we're not referring to man. Man's not the problem in this issue. They don't want him praying to God, okay? Then they're going to be thrown into the den of lions. Well, Daniel's got an option here. You're going to pray. You're going to hearken unto this. Or you're going to, um, you, you, you're going to do what you've always done. Well, let's find out what Daniel does. Verse number 8. Now, O king, establish the decree. And, or verse number, I'm sorry, verse number 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. So Daniel knows that the, the law's in effect. He knows that the right or the mandate's in effect. He knows that the writing has been signed. He went into his house and he, his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees, now watch this, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Notice this, as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled, found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. Then they came near, spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man shall ask a petition of God? Or any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they, and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor telling on him, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Reminds me of these folks that were telling on others during COVID. Let's you know who you're grouped in with, doesn't it? Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, said, King, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded that they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake, said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he would deliver thee. And a stone was brought, laid upon the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet, 
and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning, went in haste unto the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to begin to talk about this situation of prayer. Daniel, ladies and gentlemen, had protection. Daniel had favor. Daniel had the guiding and the protecting hand of God when the world, the flesh, the devil came after him. The world system comes after him hard, bidding him, challenging him, to quit praying, to not pray to his God. The decree has been made. The threat is there. The lines. You remember what the Bible says? That Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil's after him. They want to shut down his prayer life. They want to shut down his worship. But folks, Daniel does as he's done, the Bible says, a four time. And his practice is three times a day. And he prays to God. And he knows exactly what the decree has said. The decree, the decree has said no man can communicate, can ask a petition of God or man for 30 days. And they did that just to catch Daniel, just because they hate Daniel, they hate his life, they hate his God. But they knew they could catch him in nothing wrong, so the best they could do was make a law that he not worship and pray to his God. Now I ask you, does that change Daniel's mind one bit about the way he functions, relates, prays, and worships God? Not one bit. Now having said that, there are several things that we're going to take note of in teaching on prayer concerning this situation with Daniel. But notice what he gets, and I've said it already, and this is what I pray in my life. I want it. I want the favor of God. I want the protection of God. And that is what Daniel receives as a result of his prayer and a result of his, his faith and boldness in his prayer life. Now, having said that, uh, first of all, as I lay out this, this outline, on, I've, I'm wrote, I've wrote down 10, 10 points, 10 aspects of prayer. Godly, biblical, practical prayer. Things that will help us 
in our prayer lives. I've wrote them down. And as I do, I'm going to I'm going to list them to you. We see most of them in this story of Daniel. Okay? The first thing is we must be consistent in our prayer lives. We've got to be consistent. Most of the time when people pray, or a lot of the times when people pray, they are praying as a result of a problem that has approached them. There's a situation, there's a need, there's a fear, there's a hurt, there's a want, there's something that has they want to see happen. And so they begin to pray about it. They begin to ask. They begin to petition. I'm not saying don't do that. You should always take everything to God. What I am saying is that should not be the only time that you go to God. If Daniel had not been praying before, when he prays to God for deliverance on this occasion, I'm not convinced that he's getting it. But Daniel had made a consistent practice of prayer. That is number one. You should be consistent in your prayer. Good days, bad days, mundane days, days that that are better than others, days that are worse than others. Prayer should be a consistent and the most consistent aspect of our lives. Number two, discipline. Now, for prayer to be consistent, you're going to have to have discipline. Okay, you got to. You're going to have to have discipline. Now, here's what, here's two things that I noticed in the book of Daniel, chapter number six. One thing is this. When Daniel went to pray after the decree had been made, after the decree had been set, the Bible said, verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Look, as he did a four-time. That speaks of his consistency. Daniel was consistent. He was doing it before the problem. He's doing it in the middle of the problem. And you're going to find out he's going to be doing it after the problem. He stayed consistent with his prayer. Don't just pray when you've got the problem. Be praying before the problem ever comes. Number two, set yourself a time. Set yourself a time to pray. Notice that it said Daniel prayed three times a day. He had set times that he would go before God that it was just him and God. Look, you got 24 hours a day. You've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've got duties, you've got responsibilities, but we also got more downtime than what we say. People say they have no time, and yet they're on Facebook. They have no time, yet they're on YouTube. They have no time, yet they're watching TV. They have no time, yet they know everything that's happening in the news cycle, yet they have no time. If you've got time for those things, don't you have time to gain an audience with the God of heaven, the God of heaven and earth? If you've got time for Facebook, don't you have time for God? 
If you've got time for television, don't you've got time for God? If you've got time for you, and I've, I've got all those things. I participate in all of those things. But the fact is, we must be disciplined and set a time and make a time that we're going to spend with God. And it's that time when the phone is off and the TV is off and we, we are there meeting God for the purposes of worship and prayer and petition. That's what Daniel did. Daniel did it consistently as he did a four time. He did it with discipline three times a day. Number three, scripture, scripture, use scripture. Use scripture. I don't know how many were here on Sunday morning or at church on Sunday morning, but I made a statement. Ephesians 6, we're not, we're not going to go there for the sake of time because we are going to go to another place in a moment. But in Ephesians chapter number 6, we've got um, the spiritual armament. And the armament, the spiritual armament is basically what the Christian it has been uh, has been admonished by God to take upon, you know, the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so forth. And it's been noted, it's been taught, it's been preached by myself that the, the Word of God, the Bible, is the only offensive weapon listed in the spiritual armament given in, in Ephesians chapter 6, the Word of God. So the Bible is our sword. And I said this on Sunday morning, prayer is the battlefield. Yes, there's an element of, of the battlefield being the world. There, there's an element of problems coming our way and battle raging against us in the world. But here, here's, here's how this happens. Here's how this takes place. I want you to think of a, of a, of a war, of a battlefield. Um, civil War, you know, World War Two, what have you. The legalities, the uh, the issues of the war, were always being played out among the politicians, among the voted representatives of the countries or the dictators, and it was being played out in the media. They're played out in the newspapers. They're played out in parliamentary halls, they're played out in Congress. That that's where the the war begins to unfold as far as setting it up. However, the actual battlefields are typically far, far away from there. They're in places like Bunker Hill. They're places like you know, Know, Vietnam, Iwo Jima. They're in places like Saigon in Vietnam. They're, they're, the battlefields are at a different place. So the warfare takes place with the world. The world designs and sets it up, and, and, and Satan, of course, is the, the lowercase god of this world. But the battlefield is, is somewhere else. The battlefield is a spiritual realm that we enter into 
upon our praying. And when we get down to pray, or when we close our eyes in prayer, or when we begin to call on God, that's when the battle starts taking place. And when that happens, the Word of God becomes our weapon on this battlefield. And so as we begin to pray and we begin to fight battles, as we do that, we should utilize the Word of God as our weapon. I want you, I want you quickly to look with me in Daniel 10. And then when we leave Daniel 10, we're going to jump over to a psalm. We're going to look over in Psalm 14 after we leave uh, Daniel 10. I'm sorry, Psalm 4 after we leave Daniel 10. I want you to look at this with me. Daniel chapter number 10. I talked about this on Sunday morning. Um, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel of his face, the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them that they fled to hide themselves. He's left alone, and he heard the voice of his words. Now watch this. Verse, verse number... Let's look here in verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, which sat upon me, my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. He said, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee now am I sin. When he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But watch verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. That's three weeks. But lo, Michael, one of the chief priests and princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is many days. So here's what happened. Daniel had a vision that he needed to give to the people of God. And in doing so, he began to pray, and he asked God to help him to understand the vision, help him understand what it was he was seeing. But the Bible, we find that the answer didn't come immediately. And it says that when Michael, when Michael come, and he was going to, it says one of the chief princes came to help me, it says here, that he came to give Daniel his answer on the first day that he requested. But 
the archangel. But he had a warfare, a fight. Look at this. One of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I came to make thee understand and befall thy people. Okay? So, what he's saying here is that the answer was coming on the first day, but a battle began to ensue. A battle began to unfold in the spiritual realm. And it was three weeks, it was 21 days before the answer actually got to Daniel. What does that teach us? That teaches us when we go to pray, when we go to make a petition to God, when we go to ask of God, that we enter into a battlefield and we don't give up. We've got to pray through. We've got to continue fighting this battle until God answers our prayer, no matter what the answer is going to be. So what does that mean, preacher? What are you saying? I'm saying, number three, Scripture must be used. You take the Scriptures and you use them to your advantage as your weapon in praying on the battlefield. Watch Psalm, Psalm verse number four, Psalm four. This, this is good. This helps us. Psalm 4. Hear me when I call, O God, my righteousness. Thou hast have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. You can take a psalm. You can take a, a quote from the Bible. You can take a verse I'm not going to give you every single one. There's so there's there's unlimited. They're unlimited. What I am telling you is pray the scriptures and pray them till your answer comes. Because chances are you're on the battlefield. There's spiritual powers, there's spiritual wickedness in high places that are fighting against your prayers being answered. And you've got to continue fighting through, praying through, quoting scripture, giving God his word, and reminding him of his word that you may be victorious on the prayer and on the battlefield of prayer. Number four, this one's extremely practical, extremely. I would keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal. In that, you would include prayer requests, folks that you're praying for, um, where you are in your prayer life, what your spiritual temperature was that day, you would look at uh, just, just different realities of what prayer is and, and where you were at in that particular time. Keep yourself a journal. A journal will always allow you to be able to consistently pray and you can look back on it. You can check it off. You can mark it off. You can go back next month, next year, and see the prayers that God has answered. I do that. I do that every year. Every year I'll write down goals. I'll write down prayer requests. At the end of that year when I go to do it again, I'll go back and look at the prayers that were answered last year. And that reminds you that God answers prayer. So number four, keep a prayer journal. Number five, we see this a lot. We see this in the Bible a lot. Saul utilized it. David utilized it in the harps and, and the playing, the singing. 
but use music. Use music. Singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I wouldn't play it too loud. I wouldn't blare it. I'd pick the right music. In fact, instrumentals would probably be the best. But utilize music. You see Saul do it in the scriptures. You see David do it in the scriptures. And I think we should as well. It allows our hearts and our minds to get in tune to God. Put your some earphones on, some instrumentals of of uh, I've got a, a CD. It was it's by the Rains family, and it's basically violins, cellos, and it's all instrumental. And in every bit of it, it's it's just old hymns of the faith. And I'll pray to that. I'll put that on, and I'll pray to it. And it's got a soothing and a calming message over my spirit. Uh, number six, vocalize your prayer. It is to ask. You can pray to yourself, but I would vocalize it. I would let it be out there. I would put it out there, what I was praying for. Worship should always, always include be included in our prayer, where we exalt and we worship and we uplift God. I'll come back and show you examples next time. Worship. Worship should always be a part of our prayer. Faith, Matthew 6 and 7, don't limit God. Have the faith of a mustard seed. Have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Never limit God. Pray in faith. Can God? Yes, God can. I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate on that. This is definitely a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. I'm giving you all of them. I'll come back and elaborate on on them next week. Um, privacy. Find you somewhere alone. It's okay. It's great to pray as a family, as a couple. You should. They're all biblical precedents. They're commanded. But I'm talking about alone prayer time with God. You've got to have that. And number 10, number 10, pray with a vengeance. The only time, I want you to go to Isaiah, we're done. Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. I want to show you something here. Isaiah chapter number 59. Keep going to the right. Isaiah 59. Now I want you to look with me. Verse 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there were no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Throughout the Bible, we are told, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. God never puts the responsibility of man, of vengeance on man except for in this one occasion and it's it's associated with intercession in our prayer lives at that point we have example after example after example to go to God with a vengeance with a mindset of battle and a mindset to see much accomplished and go on behalf of whatever you're fighting for. 
if you're fighting for your family, your home, your church, your relationships, your children, your friendships, and go with the authority and the vengeance of someone that's fighting a battle because you are. You are. This is just the beginning. We're going to spend Sunday night in this. We're going to be Sunday morning in the Psalms, but we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks in Psalms and in our prayer lives because that's where the Lord has burdened me greatly. And I hope you, you, you take these things to heart. I want to re-go re through them or rehash them real quickly, and we'll do it every time. Number one, consistency. Number two, discipline. Number three, utilize scripture. Four, keep a prayer journal. Five, utilize music. Six, vocalize your prayer. Seven, worship while play, praying. Eight, have faith. Don't limit God. Nine, pray in private. That's the closet prayer that I'll teach you about. Number ten, pray with a vengeance. That is the introduction to our prayer lives. We'll continue this thought on Sunday night. Good night and God bless.